Amen. Yeah, let's yeah, let's bring this down here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm gonna be closer to you so that if you're in your if you're in the front row, I can spit on you a little easier. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what tends to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, you got to get close in the body of Christ. Amen. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I was coming tonight, and uh, we've been building and doing some things over there in Kenton. And uh, I'll tell you one funny story. But as we get going here, you know, we have really been talking about how pastor and the church has made this commitment to faith, relationship, and rescue. And when we think about those values, I was out at our property this week, and uh, I will tell you that it just flashed through my mind in a moment of time that those values have helped Regina and I be here coming into this 25th year. We've been a part of Only Believe for 25 years. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, I will tell you that at some times we had powerful faith unrelenting faith but also tell you at moments our faith faltered or I screwed up because Regina's always been perfect and I missed God and we'd have to go into recovery mode and thank God at that moment that we had relationships that would invest in us as much as we've invested in them and thank God that we had a pastor and other people that would step in and rescue us in our moments when we needed rescued. Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but before I get started in that, I'll just give you a Kenton update so that you don't have to ask me. We are full-blown into our building project. And uh, we got a foundation partially in so that they can now erect the building, so that's going to all happen next week. Uh, I won't get to see that because Pastor, I'll be in uh, Kenya with Pastor and the team next week. But we had a funny experience, a great experience, because way back in the 90s, we used to do the week of Pentecost. And we received one of our first prophetic words during that conference. And then, if you were here on Wednesday night, you heard Pastor Bagwell declare that people were going to start giving into Kenton and God was going to start showing us what he could do. So I went out, and this was not because of the prophetic word. You guys know I'm a little strange by now, Amen. <laughs> and so on Saturday we were over in Kenton doing worship and all that kind of stuff so I went out on the land to do my normal practice preaching in faith to a building and a congregation that's not there yet so I preached first then I was cleaning up the place then I prayed and thanked God for what he was going to do and I got in my car and my phone had rang and someone said please call me back so I called them back and uh, you know that was just three days after that prophetic word and uh, I called back, and this couple said, hey, we want you to know, and it's a couple we know, but they're not, uh, you know, a direct part of the church. But uh, they said, hey, we want you to know that we just came into some money. And I said, well, hallelujah. And they said, so as a result, one of the first places we're going to sow is into Kenton. We know you're building over there and doing something. And so they dropped a significant seed into the Kenton campus. So I want you to know that the prophetic words and the things that we receive within the church are things that are absolutely necessary for our lives. 
And I want to speak to you tonight about some things because I want you to understand that the first thing, if you would go to Exodus, and I'm not going there, but in Exodus chapter 26, if you were to go to Exodus chapter 26, you would see that Moses began to contend with Pharaoh about bringing God's people out of Egypt. Do you remember that? And uh, before we get into that, I want to go to Isaiah and just read you one scripture. In Isaiah 43.1, it says this, and we're talking about faith, relationship, and rescue. And we're going to talk about relationship, touch on rescue a little bit. But in Isaiah 43.1, the Lord says this, But now thus saith the Lord, that created thee, O Jacob. First thing we should love about the word of God is, is that when it speaks to an individual person, you can always put your name in there and know that God's speaking personally to you. And then when we see it say, that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. You know, we can always look at that and know that God has a word for our nation. And I tell you that we can speak about our nation as America, but also we need to understand that God has a personal word to the church. And when he says Israel, he's speaking to those adopted into the bloodline. So he's speaking to the church in every part of the world. Remember that gospel said, go you into the world and preach this word to every nation. And so when we see God speak to Israel, we can be excited because God is speaking to us individually, but God is speaking to us corporately as only believe ministries. And then God is speaking to us as a nation, as the church at large that must take the responsibility of keeping this world together oh come on now and he says that I'm speaking to you oh Jacob and oh Israel I have created you I have formed you and the first thing he says to us is fear not for I have redeemed thee. Woo, what did we preach tonight? The faith, same faith that saved you is the faith that heals you. And you know, if we think about this, I was thinking about it, that we now have songs that are only alive and released in the last couple years because all of us has stood our ground, kept the faith, and stayed committed to the family God birthed us in. Mm. See, we're going to speak tonight because I want you to know that your salvation is not just about yourself. Mm, mm, mm. And when we speak about the church, it's not just a place that you get to come in once or twice a week or a couple times a month and just come in here with nothing in you, dried out, starving, and expecting the church to revive you. You know, I told you that Regina and I survived because, of course, we had our own faith, but then there was the faith of the house. And, of course, we built our own relationship, but then there was the relationships that came along and strengthened us when we were weak. And then, of course, we did our own portion of rescue, but let me tell you something. We would have never survived if there were not those people that reached out and rescued us in our time of need. Amen? So when the Lord is speaking here, he's giving us a responsibility that says, fear not, because you've been redeemed. Oh, come on. Come on. Woo. See, and then he says this. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. 
and you are mine. Woo, praise God, hallelujah. You know, I was just preaching with some folks in the prison on Sunday night, and we were in there preaching, and one pastor, we just preached the way we do with pastor, and so they were getting up, saying what they had to say, and they were preaching this about, well, who's your daddy? And then I got up, and this is my scripture. We're his. Now, what's powerful about being the Lord's is this, is that number one, God has no fear because he's an invincible God. You are his divine creation, so you should have no fear because your spirit doesn't even retain that because the Lord says that being a new creature, you are made brand new. And immediately he says that I have given you a spirit of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Woo, hallelujah. Now listen to me. I don't want you to think of a sound mind as in the way the world thinks because we're going to talk a little bit later about strange things. Amen? And we should be seeing strange things in our life. That means unique. That means different. And that means something that's beyond the explainable. Amen? But I just want to speak to us for just a few minutes about the fact that the Lord has redeemed us and he tells us to have no fear because we're his. Amen. Now I want you to know something that if I could see Philip Walker Jr. right now, he might not like it, but if him and I stand beside each other, whether he likes it or not, I know that his mother's much more beautiful than I am. I thank God that he has some of her characteristics, but if he stands next to me, whether he likes it or not, there's some characteristics on him that make him and I associated, amen? And I tell you what, he has some DNA, he has some structure, hallelujah, and whether he likes it or not, there is some of me all up in that boy, amen? And I want you to understand something, that when God speaks this scripture, when he tells you to fear not, when he tells you if you've been redeemed, what he's saying is that if I am a God of power, you are a spirit of power. If I am a God that loves, you are a person that has the ability to love. And if I'm a God that helps bring the miraculous to the lives of those who are in need, God is looking at each and every one of you, and there's some miracles that will not exist on this earth unless you step into God has created you to be. Woo, I want you to know something that I will tell you that Pastor Dosick has always had a word for our life. He has preached it, he lives it, he fasts, he prays, and he has released into our life. But I got to tell you that there was time where other people reached towards Regina and I and helped solidify our identity. Oh, come on. I thank God that when I first came to this church, I thought they were strange. But there was people, I said, what in the world are these crazy folks doing? But now I find myself, I'm telling you that people would come from praying in the Holy Ghost and they would speak a word to us. They would speak to us and they would encourage us. And I want you to know something, that God thought the sanctuary so important that he told Moses to tell Pharaoh that, listen, not only will the men go, not only will the wives go and the women go, not only will the children go, but even our cattle shall go to the point in Exodus 26, chapter 10, he said, or 10, 26, he said, listen, we can't afford to leave one hoof in Egypt. 
Oh, come on, believers. I'm telling you tonight that one thing that we've got to understand in this world and in this time in which we live is that we don't need to forget that from the very firstborn person till now, the first and biggest thing a Christian should do is separate themselves from the world, separate themselves from identities that don't belong to them, and accept the DNA that's residing in you. Listen, I tell you what, that one thing we've made a mistake in, in loving the world, is, is that, you know what, we thought we should bring our nature down to be acceptable to the world. But let me tell you something, you're going to have to take your, your, your nature up. Woo! You're going to have to take your nature way up. Because I want you to know something, that over the years we have said things to calm ourselves down. Like, well, don't be so spiritual, you're no earthly good. Listen to me, Jesus became so spiritual that he overtook the earth and made it good because of what was in him. Woo! Listen, Jesus was not effective on this earth until he came to the point where he was full of fasting and praying. He was so much full of the Spirit of God that sometimes Jesus didn't make sense to the world or to the people even in the church at some times. But when he went up to that high place and got a touch of his Father, he brought that DNA down. And in the presence of the Lord, there is power to fix and heal everything that's around our lives. Woo! I want you to know something that God has a great expectation for you. And that expectation is that you don't come to church so you can just sit around and get what you can get. Come on, come to church full. See, you want to know why the church in the Bible was successful? Because Paul had to put things in order, didn't he? He said, whoo, listen to me. On a Sunday morning, we can only afford three words of prophecy. Because you folks are so full that if we don't put order in the church, you'll be prophesying from sun up till the sun goes down. I tell you what, would be to the Lord that on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night in the spirit of worship, there would be people so full with word and so much that we would have to say, okay, listen, we're going to hear these three, but you seven got to step back. And oh, by the way, don't be offended. Just carry your word to the next time. What would happen if we came in the church so infused, so filled? You know, I've heard people say, well, I was at this revival and the power of God was there. I said, really? I said, how many days were you there? Well, I was on vacation. I went there three days. Every night was wonderful. I said, really? I said, that church had been in revival for two years. Hmm. And they prayed three years for revival to come. Bum, 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 bum. Whew. This happens to me in Kenton every now and then. I just start dancing, singing to myself a little bit. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Whew. Only believe in the name of Jesus. But what I'm telling you is, 
that why was there fire in the house of God? Why was there presence in the house of God? Because people were willing to lay down their life, lay down everything they knew, come out into places that were not comfortable and come out just to serve God in a way that they had never served God before. I got to tell you something. I was a backslidden boy when I met Regina and I tell you what, I thank God for a wife that was willing to go to the depths of the gospel and said, Philip, let me tell you something. In the religion you came from, they might not have believed in the Holy Ghost, but I read it in the Word. And she would chase, which caused me to chase, and now we're crazy enough to chase together. But I'm telling you that the only problem we have as a church is we've backed up a little bit. We've separated ourselves a little bit. And it's time for us to not be afraid to dig back into faith, relationship and the goodness of a God that will rescue you in every situation. Listen, it is time for us to call ourselves into order. Listen, I was thinking about this and throughout our lifetime, we're going to have times where we have to reevaluate. We're going to have to change from glory to glory. There's times where we're going to have to re-sanctify our house. One of our favorite stories is we like to talk about them crossing over that Jordan and how it opened up and how the priest went first shouting and shouting. We love that part. But did you hear the next scripture? It says that as soon as they got into that other land, they didn't kick back. They didn't take it easy. They didn't just shout around. You know what they did? They circumcised themselves. Oh, my goodness. See, I want you to know something that we're building over there in Kenton, but i got to tell you something. We're circumcising ourselves. We're asking God to change us now, move the carnality out now, cause us to have a spirit of love upon us, give us patience, give us kindness, let us have some holiness up in the house, let us sanctify ourselves and do some worshiping and do some fasting, let us get rid of things that are just not a part of the kingdom, let us return back to that DNA of our Father so that we make sure that anybody coming around us is going to be safe, they're going to be protected, they're going to have faith spoken to them, they're going to be prayed for, and they're going to come into the destinies that God has for them. See, I want you to know something. That if we're only taking care of ourselves, we will get bored. Come on, money's not enough. I'm telling you, when I didn't have no money, I was glad the first time Jesse DePlantis preached years ago during the week of Pentecost, and I said, Lord, we need $24 for gas. Well, after that service, we got a handshake that was filled with $24. A couple years later, when my faith grew, I kicked myself and said, why didn't I believe for $200? I just had an extra ice cream. <laughs> but I was thanking God for the $24. But think about it. I heard what Jesse DePlantis preached. But some other Holy Ghost-filled believer and this very congregation had to have the voice of God speak to them and say, hey, okay, God, I hear you. I'll go give Philip Walker and his family $24. What would have happened 
if they had been backslidden, mad at the world, coming to church puffed up all about themselves, criticizing Brother Jesse, wondering if he was going to preach on money or if he had a real word for me, and just puffed up in our stuff. We're so blocked that ain't nobody getting touched because there's nothing in us to give to anybody else. Where's Pastor Dosick tonight? I tell you what, I'm telling you right now that I thank God that there was people that was on this journey before we came. That because they had faith, because they had a relationship with God and others, and because they had already gotten rescued, they could help rescue us. See, I want you to know something, that we need to refresh ourselves, we need to stir ourselves, and we need to get ready to go where God would have us go. Hallelujah. All right, I'm ready to get into this scripture for just a little bit. Have you guys ever read the book of Luke? I want to bring you to Luke chapter 5. I want to speak to you tonight. Because I know that the Lord wants to speak right into our life from this scripture. How many of you know that Jesus represents that which we want to be? And when we think about Christ, he gave us the example of sonship. Remember, even when he lived his whole life perfect and had not sinned, and things started pressing into his life, and judgments and wrong treatments started to come upon him, he said, Lord, I would that you would remove this cup. But if you cannot remove it, then strengthen me, God, that I can finish my course, not just for myself, but I'm thinking of all of those who can be helped by what I do. I want to ask you a question even before I get to this scripture. Have you ever had anybody wrong you and mistreat you? And instead of going to God complaining, wondering, hating, snarling, did you ever just reach over and say, Lord, I'm praying for so-and-so, and I want you to know that I want you to forgive them for they know not what they do. I want you to know that we have got to start taking on the nature of Jesus if we want to see the results of Jesus. And how many of you want to see the results of the Lord? I promise you that the church should be more on fire today than ever before. I want to congratulate you and thank you because if in this world you have given your heart to God and if you've served him for years or you've served him for months, you should be excited because you are on the right side of the truth. You are on the right side of history. Anybody who ever thought they were giving up something, if you have been sin, been faithful in your marriage and not sinned for the last 20 or 30 years, if you have been faithful to God, if you've been tithing, if you've been faithful to the house, you need to give yourself a pat on the back because I tell you what, the world is proving to you that right now God's way is right and there is a reward for being a child of the living God. And I also want you to know that there are times in this word where you can see God was quiet. He might have been quiet for 70 years. He might have been quiet for 400 years. But your faithful father raises up when darkness comes and he makes a way where the there is no way and he brings revival and I'm telling you that the church right now better get ready because people are going to be coming, miracles are going to happen and there's going to be an identity on your life that verifies that God is with you. 
I want you to know that you can look up the story. It never changes. From Genesis all the way through, you will find times where the other nations come up and say, my goodness, we've been terrified of you since the day you crossed the water. I want you to know that all you got to do is go read Exodus chapter 2, and you'll hear Rahab the harlot say, my goodness, we might look like giants to you, but our heart fainted. No courage has been in us, and we've been terrified since we heard of you crossing the water. They didn't even say just because of God. They said, no, 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 we've been terrified of you because we know your God is with you. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. We're, we're going to be finished here soon if I can get all this out of me. Otherwise, I feel like you went through the week of Pentecost for all them days, you know, if I hold you for a few moments tonight, it's just one night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, I want you to see that first of all, in verse 15, it says that there went a fame about Jesus. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of all of their infirmities. And I want you to know that if Jesus was alive today... He might go out and do a Twitter. If he was alive today, he might be on Facebook. But he would never post what half the church posts. Because I will show you his pattern before he ever touched a life. Before Jesus touched people, let me show you what he did. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. <laughs> oh, come on. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. See, Jesus never touched a life wrongfully because he always went to his father first and he never came out amongst people until he was so filled with the presence that his words were right, his actions were right, and his anointing was right. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. I tell you what, why would we come into a Wednesday night service or a Sunday morning service not filled with the presence oh, of God? Well, there was just nothing in the church today. No, there was nothing on you. You'd already grieved the Holy Ghost before you came in, and he couldn't get that close to you. Now, in saying that, I'm talking to believers right now. Because I will tell you that if we as believers, instead of looking to the left, to the right, and judging people, guess what? we would be so pumped up and so filled with his presence that our presence would cover the multitude of the sinner that came in amongst them and all we would have is words of encouragement, the presence of the anointing and we would see and know who was God's and who wasn't and we would have a word for those who are broken and coming through that door instead of a judgment, a stiff neck attitude and a quick anger moment. Woo! Come on. 
See, the disciples even got discouraged one time because the Lord sent them somewhere where they thought they were going to rest and people followed them and the disciples said, Oh my goodness, Lord, can't you send them away? But he had enough in him that he said, Oh no, we're going to preach to them, we're going to get them healed and oh, by the way, a miracle's going to come and we're going to feed them. Amen? Amen. Woo! I tell you what, we better check ourselves. I mean, if we're people of God that's been delivered and been set free and we're really reverencing our Father and we're really appreciative of what he's done in our life, how could we ever be frustrated coming into the church? How could the church ever have too many meetings? How could the church ask us to give too much? The Bible says if we were cheerful givers and if our heart was right, we'd be so unstiffed that we'd have enough to give to every good work. Maybe we don't have nothing because we never went up in that presence. You ever notice how Jesus talked to people totally different than anybody else talked to? They said of him, he speaks with an authority that no man has ever spoken with before. They said of him, there he goes, and we know that the power of God is in his life because no man has done what that man has done. <laughs> See, I want you to know something, that Jesus had some folks around him that had been so touched by him that I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to know that in this story where Jesus had went up and the presence and the power of God was there to heal, guess what? He came to preach, and the place was so full that nobody could even get in. And in this story, if you read it, they said the place was so full that there was this group of men who had someone that their faith stirred them to bring to the meeting. And they couldn't even get this person on the couch or on that bed through the door. And you know what? They didn't say... Well, it's too full tonight. I guess I'll come back another night. Oh, my goodness. Who are all these visitors in here? Someone's in my seat. I'm done. No, they were so stirred and they had so much in them that they just let the Holy Ghost give them a strange idea. And they said, we will not only climb this wall, but we will tear up the roof. And I tell you what, they had already committed themselves. I'm sure when you get to heaven, you can ask them. But they had already committed themselves that if they did damage to that roof, they would repair it because it was just the standard practice back then. You know, in the Bible days, real men of God, if they borrowed something, they'd not only bring it back with what it had in it, but they'd bring it back clean and looking good. I remember we used to, I remember one time in the church people would borrow a car and not only were they thankful, but they'd say, hey, I fixed that tire and gave you an oil change. Thank you for letting me use that. See, it used to be the standard practice that if you borrowed something, you'd give it back better off than what it was. So these people weren't afraid of tearing the roof off because they'd already counted the costs and said, listen, yeah. if we tear this roof off when the church is empty, we'll come back on our own time and our own dime and we will build it back. Yeah. And thank God they had that kind of faith because they ripped that roof open and they lowered that man in there. How many of us would take the risk of lowering a man through that roof that was already paralyzed? 
I can see the medical bills coming. I can see the lawsuit. He might get a rope burn. Oh, brother, we're going to take you back to the hospital and we'll try it again next month. But these people came and the Lord said, I see this. Christians, I got to ask you something. We've been in the church for a long time. Are we still giving something to the Lord where he can look over and see such zeal, see such fortitude, see such effort that you cause Jesus to say, hey, I see your faith. Oh, come on. Have any of you gotten a bill problem lately that was bigger than you ever thought? Did you sit in it? Did you stew in it? Did you get ugly about it? Were you mad about it? Were you all uptight about it? Or did you give the Lord such a strange faith action that he could say, I see your faith. If we have relationship problems, have we invested enough in them? Have we fasted? Have we prayed that Jesus can look out and say, hey, because I haven't seen you complaining, I haven't seen you doubting, and even though the obstacle was big, you just heard what I said, and you went up high enough that I can see your faith. Yeah. Whoo! Are we giving the Lord anything to see? Because Jesus looked over and he saw their faith. And some of them thought he'd just be interested in getting the man healed. But he looked beyond that outward need. And he said, I already got that need covered. But I see that this man needs forgiveness of sins. Are we still in tune with God enough that if somebody came in here lost in their mind, paralyzed, maybe not smelling the best, not clean, maybe just confused at a broken spot. Could we see beyond their need for healing that the true essence of the need to touch their soul? See, we've got to learn to love people where they're at. We've got to learn to look beyond their relationship problems. I'll tell you, in today's world, you know, I, I was at the restaurant the other day, and this little waitress that waited on me lots of times, she was leaving the place. And she said, hey, I'm, I, I'm going to leave to this other state. She said, could you pray for me? And I said, yeah. She said, I'm moving up uh, with my girlfriend and my boyfriend. And I said, absolutely, I'll pray for you. I had a guy call me Pastor Phil one day, one of the places I frequent. And he said, Pastor Phil, you're going to be mad at me. Now, this kid had come to me and asked me to pray for his mother. He'd asked me to pray for himself. But he said, Pastor Phil, you're going to be mad at me. I said, why am I going to be mad at you? He said, I got something to tell you. He says, and you're not going to like it. I said, no, you can tell me. It's going to be okay. I already know what it is. He said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. And he said, I'm an atheist. I said, yep, I know you don't think you believe in God. I said, but you do call me pastor all the time, and you ask me to pray for you and your mama all the time. He went, oh, you're right. Ah! And I tell you what, he got excited about it. What would have happened if I had been my pompous old religious self? You atheist devil. I can't believe I even wasted my time praying for you. 
No, no, no. What if we could look beyond and love enough, have enough faith, have enough relationship with God that we could see people the way Jesus did? Woo! And you know what was else was strange that day? All them uppity people started thinking, who does this Jesus think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And he perceived, no, 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 he didn't hear what they had to say, Nicole. Pastor Nicole, he did not hear them. He heard what was in their heart. How many of us are close enough with God that we can hear beyond the natural ear to know what's in someone's heart, to know what to say? So Jesus healed this man. You know the story. He said, what's greater for me to say his sins be forgiven him? The faith that saves him, woo, is the faith that heals him. What is better for me? What's more difficult for me than to say, hey, you be forgiven of your sins or rise up and walk. And in fact, why don't I, Jesus, just give it all to them because I got the ability. After all, they are mine. And then it's said that everybody around walked away and said, man, we have seen strange things today. Can we allow our faith and our relationships and our rescue missions speak not only to the church but to the world about the strange things they see when they get around real believers who are really positioned with God? I want to tell you something tonight that I wanted to go over to Genesis chapter 26, 8 and talk about a marriage between Isaac and his wife that they got to funning around and sporting and being gentle and playful to each other in such a degree that a king said, oh my goodness, this is not your sister, this is your wife. And he saw so much in their relationship that that marriage caused the nation to change enough and protect some things because it was strong enough to bless a whole nation. See, you have more value than you think. I wanted to go over and talk about David and Jonathan that made such a covenant of friendship that Jonathan was the true heir to the throne but was humble enough to say, David, God has anointed you, and I'm going to invest everything in you. And David was such a man of God and covenant that even when, Saul, when Jonathan's father, Saul, tried to kill David, David said, man, I refuse to touch Saul because I refuse to touch my God-given covenant. I want to touch the anointing of God wrong. See, we got a pastor that teaches us good. And people will still touch him wrong. <laughs> Has Pastor Dosek ever thrown a javelin at you? Now with me, when I was misbehaving, he came close a few times. <laughs> Brother David, I needed it. But he's never really thrown a javelin or today shot at me. But we'll touch the anointed wrong today even when they treat us with the greatest of honor. 
Well, I've never ate with Pastor Joseph. Good, because he's lost meals for your life. Yeah. <laughs> he's prayed for you. He's fasted for you. He's lived for you. When we're in Africa, he ain't talking about Africa. He's talking about the church and all you guys do and your faith. And I just want to remind you that uh, I didn't even get down to what I really wanted to get to, which was Ananias, who was a certain disciple. He went over and prayed for Paul. After Paul had persecuted the church, Ananias may have even known Stephen or some of the men and people that Paul himself had killed. But he said, Lord, you're telling me this Saul, you've changed his name to Paul, and he's now a brother. Now, it was just last week he was killing Christians. But now you're telling me he's a brother, and you want me to go pray for him. I thought while he's blind, I should just kick him a few times and hit him a few times and pay him a little back for Stephen. <laughs> and you're telling me that while he's blind, I can't tag him? Can I at least just go in and rough him up a little bit? No, you can go in and you can pray for him. You can get him filled with the Holy Ghost. You can remove blindness from his life, life in my name because he's going to suffer many things in a right way for the kingdom of God. What is our disposition? Are we a house of rescue? Absolutely. Are we a house of relationship? Absolutely. Are we a house of faith? You know, I've done this from time to time, but I want to thank everybody who's ever been a part of Regina and I's life, and that's all of you. I want to thank you for the times you believed in us when you may not have known that we didn't even believe in ourselves. And I want to thank you for being on this journey. And I'm telling you that the best of God is yet to come. Amen. Remember, the same prophet that spoke to us prophesied that this building would be full prophesied that the beds would be rolled down here. Yeah. Prophesied that the blind and all of those things would come. And we've seen those things in our past. But you better get ready because you're going to see much more of them in our future. Amen? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I just want to tell you, faith, relationship, and rescue. Are you strange enough To have enough of the peculiarity of God around you. That people would say, I saw same strange things when I was around them. I mean, Jesus always had something different to speak than other people. Lazarus is dead. Oh, relax. I'm going to take my time. He's just asleep. We don't got enough to feed these people. What do you got? Two loaves and five fishes? Boy, we'd be running out the church. He ran in and said it's more than enough. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare your glory tonight, God. 
Father, I speak by faith over every one of us right now. That, God, we are the right ones for the kingdom at this time, God. Father, you saw the generation in which we'd be living from the moment you gave us life. Father, you saw these days that would be upon us. And Lord, you looked and said, O Jacob, O Israel, fear not. I've redeemed you. You are mine. Lord, let us be like the Enoch that was in a perverse and wild generation, a preacher of the gospel. Though we never record him preaching, we do record a lifestyle committed to you. Noah built the ark. We don't see him preaching, but it says that Noah was a preacher of the gospel. Lord, let each and every one of us take our step and the purposes and the destinies you've given us, God, because faith, relationship, and rescue is who we are as new creatures. We're reconcilers. We are restorers, God. We are ambassadors. And we are yours. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Miss Nicole, do you want to? Huh? Okay, Pastor Nicole is telling me to close out. I want to thank you. God bless you. People will be up here to pray for you. And be here Sunday morning. I'm telling you that God has something powerful for your life and for those who you love. Amen.